God's grace, his mercy, his peace, they are yours through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, not long ago I got an email and in the subject headline it said, or it said the, uh, um, that you need to bring Kleenex to watch this one. And it's one of those things where you see a video connected to it and you're thinking, oh brother, it'll be one of those trite little things. They say, if you love Jesus, send this to 10 of your friends and it will send a message forward. But I decided to watch it and what it actually was, was a videographer had uh, taken all these weddings and she was amazing at the, at the videography she could do. That seems to be the big thing to have all these different settings and all these different things to have a video of the wedding day. And what she did is she said, these are the six best reveals. So what it was is one after another and it was the moment where, and the couples had planned this before the wedding, they would see each other before the wedding and then was always zooming in on the husband's response. And it didn't matter whether he was sleeved out with tattoos and hair spiked up and a beard down to his chest or whether he was skinny or 40 years old and a little bit plump. The reaction was always the same. He just looked at her when she came out and she was wearing her dress and her hair and everything was just so, and he went, and sometimes it was immediate tears, other times it was hands on the knees or hands to the face, and then there was a hug, and then there was the worry about ruining makeup because they're both being brought to tears, and that was the moment. And then the next one, and then the next one, and your heart went, wow, that is so amazing to see that kind of emotion. And then soon they were going to be saying, I do, I will, and make it permanent in this life. But then trickles in, as I thought about it, the statistics we have out there. And if the national statistics stand firm, how many of those six couples, 10, 15 years out, will still be feeling that way? Probably zero. How many will still be married? Maybe 50%? Now, I'm not saying that those six couples are all destined to destroy half their marriages, but... But that's the way it plays out and we don't even get into all the other definitions of marriage and all the other definitions of remarriage and all these things that society has legalized and legislated. It was the same in Jesus' day. They made marriage something that you did while it was good, but it wasn't bad to end it if it wasn't good and move on. Well, I, I don't think anybody even in here, whether you are young and looking to someday be married or you are in currently in the middle of marriage or you've had marriage and maybe God ended marriage because of that spouse is now with Jesus, whatever it is, I don't think anyone when they go into marriage thinks, I want this to be halfway. I want this to be meh. Really, when you go into marriage, I would think that your heart and mind is engaged to say, I want this to be a match made in heaven as, as, God, as God designs it, as God created it. Wouldn't you agree with me that that's perhaps the way that you would go into it? You're all in. When the I do's come, it is all in. I'm there. And, and with soundness of mind and, and boldness of heart, we make these commitments to each other. And it really shouldn't be that hard if you think about it because there's not a lot of things involved. It's one man and one woman that are coming together and they're making a commitment to say, we're going to make a life together and a family together and we're going to live and encourage each other and, and whether it's finances or whether it's being there in the hard times, good and bad, it really isn't a lot that you are required to do. Love and, and get along. 
but you have the matches made in, in heaven that God had created here and, and where we are today and what the world shows marriage to be or not be. How do we get there? What happens? How, I mean, I know it would be exhausting to have the butterflies and every morning when, when she woke up, you would be hands to the knees saying, oh my goodness, for me? And she would look at you with hair sticking up unshaven and say, for me? Oh my goodness, right? That would be exhausting. But, but how do we get to where we are? It, it usually isn't one big bad thing. It isn't like you could blow up a marriage very quickly by doing something dumb. That is possible. And it has happened. But usually it's small little things we do and think and say and, and we hang on to these things, right? Because I would guess you don't take steps without thinking. I mean, sometimes you do, but usually they're justifiable because this happens, so I do this, and then we hold on to these things, and then these things become other things, and, and then they lead to other things and reactions, and all of a sudden, side effects happen and become present, and they're unresolved. And what is it that, that takes us from a match made in heaven to what we experience here today? I'll just throw a few out there. How about this? We, we had this Bible study a, a few years ago. As it's the lies couples believe. It was a Christian psychologist, that, and, and he, he had this wonderful list of things that, that are lies that people believe in marriage. And when I offered this, I had so many people come to that Bible study that I had to go run off more copies because I think people are truly concerned and, and, and are worried and, and want to do the right things. And, and some of the list here is, is maybe what we can look at. Why don't we just try this? Take, take your spouse for granted. Let's just start there thinking, well, she said, he said, I do. And so I don't have to work very hard. They're stuck with me. The way I look, the way I act, there's no getting out of this because God said so. And, and to go into a relationship like that, Maybe, maybe it's this one. I, I always like that. That my spouse's job is to make me happy. Really? So when you're not happy, it's your spouse's fault is the natural conclusion of that. They're supposed to be the, the one, the font of all joy that makes you happy. And, and when you're just feeling emotionally unhappy, somehow or other, it's because of what he or she isn't doing for me. Notice that? How, how about this? in conversations with each, other, with each other? Why don't you try at work to a fellow employee to say the same things and act the same way you do to your spouse when you are frustrated and you are angry? How long would you last at that job? Especially a guy to a girl. Can you imagine what HR would do with that? That would be prosecutable. You would be out on your ear, but to only the person that we're here to spend a lifetime with, to make a life with, we, we speak like that? We... We act like that. And we can go down the list that you can personalize. I'm sure you could add more, but there's one more that really plays into the lessons for today. Talking about the value of children and kingdom and, and the value that Jesus puts on children. Try this. Value your kids more than your spouse. Whoa, the world says. We're all about kids, right? Because they're precious and, and we want to raise them and train them in the way, but, but God gives a list and this is the list. It's God first, then it's your spouse, then it's your children, then it's your job and your vocation. And when those things get mixed up, there are problems that arise and it happens. You can see it. 
And as much as we think that if we put everything into the kids and we both are doing that, that we are doing the right thing, kids come and go because you get empty nested and then you look at each other saying, who are you? Because there was nothing invested in each other and kids, they may turn out because you invest everything into them, but they will turn out better when they have a model of a husband and a wife interacting, loving and caring and forgiving and sharing and showing what it means to make a life because then they will see by observation who they want to marry and what that person needs to be like and they will see the values that are instilled in them. Let's not get the order mixed up. But it's these little things that become bigger things. And then all of a sudden the sun sets on anger and silence ensues and we function, but we don't flourish. Why is that? Because we have before us an example of of God saying, this is truly the one and only match made in heaven. And it's important, just like if your car was misbehaving and it was electrical in nature, and that's a hard thing to diagnose, you go back to the maker of the car or you go back to the one that can hook it up and say, here's exactly what's wrong and how to fix it. Don't you think it's important that we go back to the origin, to the maker, and say, this is what I designed marriage to be, and, and when you prosper in this, I will truly bless you? So this is what God said first before he said the final, it is very good. He said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So God had spent time creating all these beautiful things in creation, the environments, the things that would live in those environments. And this is what God said is going to be. All this creation is going to be for man. And then he took time to form him in dust. And then he breathed the breath of life into him and put his image in him. And man was able to perfectly obey God and perfectly live under that. But man also noticed as he was given the job of naming all these creatures, as he was given the job of looking at all this creation, that no one was like him. And that's the moment that God wanted for man to realize that something is missing and God did something special to him. This is what he did. The Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up that place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. If you had the videographer there at that moment, what do you think Adam's reaction would have been as Eve was revealed? He's coming out of this deep sleep that God put him in. And he looks at her and says, for me, I was incomplete. It was obvious because of creation and all that I observed. I knew something was missing. It wasn't all there. And God said, I wanted that moment so I could give you this moment. And there she was. And it wasn't how she was dressed and that her hair was perfect and her makeup was spot on. It was because he was incomplete and now complete and he saw that, that God had taken her from him and said, now I can say, very good that everything is done just as I had planned. Man is incomplete without woman, and woman is incomplete without man, and together they come these gears that work and function together to accomplish great things, and they will become families, and those families will prosper, and then those become other families, and those families will prosper by God's blessing. And that is the way that God created it to be. 
And the things that Adam and Eve experienced had to be amazing for that short amount of time. To observe everything around them and to observe each other and say, wow. You know, I wonder how often tears were there and the jaw was dropped as they realized they complete each other. That, that she was created for him and could be perfect to him and, and he was created for her and could be perfect to her. That was the purpose and that was the blessing. But Adam and Eve didn't experience two things that, that we, we experience. And the first thing is, is sin. At this moment in time, before sin entered in, they hadn't experienced that. And so to know that God had created him for her and her for him to be this, this wonderful creation, but then to know because of sin that he wouldn't be perfect to her and she wouldn't be perfect to him, and it's even, even given in the curse that God gives after Adam and Eve sin, and you see how fast it happened, that all of a sudden there was shame, and there was fig leaves, and there was hiding, and then there was blaming, blaming God, blaming her, blaming him, blaming the devil, and immediately God said, this is what's going to happen. You're still going to see that my plan is good and cling to it, but women, now you're going to look at man differently, and he will rule over you. It will be a battle of the wills rather than the perfect symmetry that God had given in creation and that's what happens. And sometimes it's not bold things that we do, it's the little things that we do. Those cute things while we were dating become blood-boiling idiosyncrasies that we can't stand and it makes us angry. And we thought that after the I do, that he would change, that she would change. They'd see what I need and they would give it to me. And it doesn't happen that way. And so we struggle and we strive, but we often model not God's ideal, but instead what this world does. This world says, eh, this world gives marriage parachutes that if it gets bad, pull the cord, jump off the ship, it's going down. This is what the world does. It says, you know, you deserve what you get. So you choose wisely, and if you don't like what you get, then choose someone else. And, and it's in the back of our mind, and we go there. But there's one other thing that Adam and Eve didn't have at this point that we have today, and that is the Savior. And he comes to you today and he says, I see it. I know it. I know what I created you to be and I know what I created you to do and I see what has happened and I know why you do it because I search the deepest corners of your heart. And I call upon you today to do this, to come to me with all that there is there. Anything that you have brought into the sanctuary today, give it to me because that's why I came to take it all away. Every sin, every time that you made your family less than it is supposed to be, every time that you did this to your spouse and expected to be treated differently because of the way you're acting and she's acting or whatever the blame game is, whenever you gave the silent treatment or pouted as if you were the victim, give it to me. Every bit of it. I take it away from you and I clean the slate I take it into my own body. It's punished before your God. It is not yours anymore. You are not guilty of it. There is no shame that belongs to you. And now with this in me and away from you, I give you one more thing. Power. Because you know what has just happened? 
You have been given sacrifice and love that this world does not know. It is only something that you receive by faith. It is so unlike the way that we are because of sin. It is so unlike the way that we are coached to be in the world. It is so unlike the examples we have around us. And yet, what does Jesus do and says, here, whatever it takes, I didn't do any of it, but I take it away from you. I will take the blame, all of it. God, punish me in their place so that they can have love and peace that I want for them and may it flow right into their marriage. Give it to Jesus today. Come to his supper and receive from him the thing that says all is well between you and your God. And then go and bring that same love and forgiveness into every relationship you have. And if we're talking about marriage specifically, let's talk about marriage. Bring it there, guys. Bring it there, ladies. Adam, when he saw Eve, just burst into this poetry of, of, for me, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, she was taken out of me, and now for me you give she. I am man, out of man comes woman, and this is the way it is to be. God, it couldn't be any better. I couldn't be any more blessed. Guys, if you think that way for a moment and show her that kind of love, that kind of response, I promise it will be a blessing. God will bless that. And if you show love to her that says, I will sacrifice for you and I will make you as beautiful a creation as God has always intended and I will talk to you about it and assure you in it, she will blossom and grow. Then when you put your arm around her or grab her hand, she will not resist or bristle away. She will snuggle in and say, this is the one that God has given me to. Women, it's hard to love guys. But love them because they're to take the lead. Encourage them in Christ. They're wired differently than you, but the world says, do this and do that. Friends give you bad advice. Magazines are all over the place. Stop, stop looking there. Look at God and Jesus and his love and, and, and look at what he says now you have the opportunity to do. Love him, love him like no one else so the world looks and say, yeah, sometimes he's an oaf, but man, does she love him. Isn't that what we're called on to do? To, to love one another and as God models that to us, he says, I am the groom, you are my bride. Every, ring or every wrinkle, stain, and blemish has been taken from you and given to me. And he looks at us and his hands go down to his knees and his hands go to his face and says, for me, as he looks at you, he couldn't be more blessed. So, so now you to each other, husbands and wives, be Christ to each other. That is what God has promised that he has put in your heart today and it will bear fruit in your family and kids will be blessed and families will be blessed and society will be blessed and workplaces will be blessed and then your light in a world of darkness and they will see it and they will be blessed too because that is what God has designed from the beginning. That's where God invests his power and his love and that's what assignment God has given to you. So maybe we can create a different list coming out of the sanctuary today. A list that says to husbands, how can I let this woman know that she is the most blessed thing that God has ever given me? God created her for me. What can I do to show her how much I appreciate God in this creation 
as I serve her. And, and, and ladies, to see, see the man that is next to you and, and to embrace him and to love him and to see his needs and to see how you can give him what he needs, he is created by God for you. Can you see that as a wonderful creation that God has made and together encouraging each other on in this love and forgiveness that Jesus brings? I can promise you this, that marriages like this that strive to be matches made in heaven, Jesus will bless with his love and forgiveness to make these marriages the best that they can be this side of eternity. May God grant it. Amen. Please stand. Now may the peace of God that is ours through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ move our hearts and lives to express that same love and forgiveness and sacrifice in the precious relationships, Lord, that you have placed all around us. Amen.